0: university, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get your, to, to receive your MBA. Uh, just, if you could just speak a little bit, you know, how's a former punk rocker army, <laughs> army, army ranger, you know, a go getter, uh, yeah. find yourself at an Ivy league institution pursuing an MBA. And then what, what did you take from your time in, you know, the 75th into that study program, the, you know, work ethic, problem solving, um, uh, communications, yeah. whatever it was, uh, how did that, how did that work out for you? Yeah,
1: man. Well, it, it, it ended up working out perfectly right as, as everything in life does. And, uh, but that kind of in between when I got out and went for my MBA, there was, there was, uh, about four years in between that three or four years. So, you know, during that time, it was like, it was very, hectic. lot of, like we were growing a family, right? I have, I have three kids when I, by the time I started the MBA, um, you know, still marrying us working full time. And I was struggling with the transition, right? So physically, my body had just completely given up. A lot of pain, trying to figure that out. Um, I had, Again, trying to find my, my tribe and my people again, um, had a lot of PTSD issues. And so, and that's sort of what's swirling around. And in the meantime, I'm also feeling like disconnected from purpose. How do I re- reconnect to that? And i thought well the natural progression here is i've I've learned how to be a leader in regiment let me go be a leader in the corporate world and so that process began right and it took a while that's why it took so long it's because getting into an ivy league mba especially is is a whole process right uh it just takes time so by the time i i got accepted i had put a lot of effort a lot of energy a lot of money into getting to that point. Uh, and I was still kind of ignoring all of this other stuff that was starting to grow. And I'm trying to bury it down, but man, I'm running out of dirt to bury it with. Uh, so, you know, I found myself in, in at Cornell, which even to this day I look back, oh, I'm not really sure how I did that. You know, <laughs> it was it was, I must have must have sold it pretty well. Uh, and and it's kind of a theme, right? I've, I've, I've always looked at like, well, what's the, what's the best thing? What's the stretch? I'm gonna at least shoot for that, right? right? That's what got me into regiment. and that's what got me into Cornell. And, um, and the whole way, I was never ready. I didn't quite feel like I belonged, right? That imposter syndrome creeping in is one of the things that I help people with a lot, right? Cause we all have it, it's always there. Every time you grow, every time you stretch yourself, you're gonna experience that in some form again. Uh, but I, you know, I my head down, started grinding in the program and slowly realized that, Hey, I'm a really valuable member of this team for a lot of different reasons. So I had to bring a lot of things to there. And, um, it was a really incredible experience.
0: Welcome to the leading with vulnerability podcast. I'm your host, Yuma Barnett. And today my guest is Nick Devlin, uh, Nick is a former former Ranger, former punk rocker. Uh he he joined the military a little bit later in life, uh you know, at the ripe old age of 29, which to a lot of people isn't old, but if like kind of like professional sports, once you get past the you know, 28, 29, 30, you start getting old in in, in military years cuz they're kind of like dog years. Uh, Nick, uh, served, served honorably for, I think four years. Is that right, Nick? And then, um, uh, got out, uh, went to school, went to an Ivy league institution and we'll get into, we'll get into that and, and, and talk about that. And he's currently, uh, you know, kind of like Chris Farley is in a van down by the river, you know, (laughs) uh, driving across the country. And we'll talk a little bit about what he's doing now and, and, and where his life, where his path in life has taken him. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to pass it off to Nick, let him introduce himself and we'll get on with the conversation. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Yuma.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I'm really uh, grateful to be here. I appreciate the invitation to share. And uh, I haven't quite found my river yet, so that's part of the part of the exploration. I'm I'm in the Southwest. Not too many rivers here right now. That's right. Uh, but uh, yeah. Uh, so you know, I just start out big. My big dream is to wage peace on the world and uplift humanity. Uh, so I'm a transformation coach for high impact leaders. Anyone with a desire to build a legacy of meaningful impact, uh, you know, I help them eliminate the drag and optimize every area of their life so they can move faster and love every minute of the journey. Uh, So, you know, my motto now is that life is an adventure, but it it wasn't always that way. Right. So. I'll start with a a real brief story of 10 year old Nick, you know, I'm over at my friend's house and we're playing G.I. Joe's and um, his mom came over. And, you know, she was, she was kind of anti-military, uh, anti, you know, and she was like, well, why don't we call them adventurers instead of soldiers? You know, a 10-year-old boy, I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense, right? So, <laughs> uh, and so, you know, fast forward to, to me just growing up and getting into life, um, you know, I, I went sort of the typical route. I went to college, got an engineering degree, you know, um, after that, i went to work it was like you know if this then that right every step led to the next thing well I got my degree I may as well go get a job but I really wasn't I wasn't thrilled with any of these big decisions I was making right and just kind of going through the motions and so you know this chain of events just started to unfold and I finally found myself after a few years out of college like really uninspired you know looking for like some something that was more meaningful and I had always wanted to join the military. It came from a, a sort of a family of military. My grandfather was in World War II, 1st so Marine Division. And I always admired that, you know, part of my family history. And so I had always wanted to join the military. Well, for whatever reason, it didn't happen until much later in life. Uh, and during that time, between, you know, 17, when I thought I was going to join originally to 29, I was just drifting, right? And I didn't really have a bigger vision for my life. And I kept choosing safety, right? Safety, security, control. I, I realize now that I kind of had this pattern underlying everything that was the world is unsafe, right? So it meant I had to be, I had to be really smart. I had to be tough. I had to play it safe. And in doing that, what I recognize now is that I was sacrificing my authenticity, right? My deeper desires, my uniqueness. Uh, and my happiness and so you know all of this was starting to to unfold in my life and I I ended up joining the military at 29 loved it right it was everything that I had hoped for you know I was looking for big challenge looking to really test myself also kind of looking for somebody to just tell me what to do and I'll go do it right I'll go execute Um, because I had been so lost for so long and you know I wanted to be around the best of the best so I just at that at that time I saw a ranger regiment it's like that's that's my my target um and you know so this was all well and good right i fa- i had finally found something then i got out and we'll, we'll dive more into this but it's just kind of the the highlight reel right when i got out i was immediately disconnected again from purpose from you know uh a high high performance tribe or you know and I went back into this like directionless kind of going through the motions. So I thought, well, maybe I'll get my MBA. Went and got that. That again was sort of this, if this, then that kind of pattern. Got into the corporate world. Well, six months in the corporate world, totally hit a wall, burnt out, marriage on the rocks, physically in terrible shape, you know, mentally in terrible shape. And the big aha at that moment was that, I had never had a grander vision for my life. And so that, you know, the saying is, if you have no destination in mind, any road will get you there. And what that had created for me for most of my life was this massive sense of anxiety. Uh, very distracting, right? not having this, this grander vision. And so I knew at that moment that I had to shift my approach. And the only thing I could connect to really was I need to live my life with intention. So that's that's like the biggest thing, you know, if if this whole podcast cuts out yeah. <laughs> the biggest thing that I want the listeners to to hear, if you take nothing else away, is that you create your own freedom. Right. And it starts with imagining as clearly as you can what you truly want your life to look like. Right. So it's it's really that simple to get started. And you know, if you're not happy, you can change it. You're never ready, like just oh, yeah. Yeah, go for it. Uh, and, you know, as, as an example of one, as soon as I made that commitment to living a life with intention, it's been this continual path of the next thing unlocks, the next thing becomes clear, you know, and I'm, and at this point I'm living the life of my dreams and I continue to dream bigger, right? It's like, Whoa, this is it. I wake up every day excited, inspired for, for life, even though I know there's going to be hard stuff. Yeah. You know, that maybe maybe because I know at this point, right? It's like and, and I'm building a thriving business and I'm um you know I'm helping other people live their lives. I'm surrounded by joyful, loving relationships. Um I'm traveling, I'm adventuring, you know, it's it's incredible. So um and you know, I also as a result of that difficult time, eventually my marriage did fall apart. So You know, I'm not living this like idyllic, perfect life, or at least what I would have imagined would have been an idyllic and perfect life. So that's really what's so powerful about, you know, what I bring to others is that no matter what situation you find yourself in, you can find a way to thrive and to rise above it, you know, and to create what it is you truly desire. So, yeah
0: uh truly powerful stuff there nick and uh to all, you, if you guys are out there watching it i know nick's video is going a little bit in and out like i said he's in a van looking for a river but uh <laughs> okay. we still, we still got good audio so we're going to we're going to push on to the ranger objective here and i think it's a great segue everything you just said there to get your you know to get your definition of, of vulnerability yeah i love this
1: question i've listened to your show a few times and and hearing everybody's definition is so cool um was really mind opening. So, you know, I actually looked up the definition. That's yeah. my engineering brain, right? That's <laughs> what like, I did. Well, That's what I did. You know, too. What's, yeah. What's the collective understanding of this? And so, you know, it's really the short version is it's it's exposure to the possibility of being harmed. Right? And I think yeah, that that feels about right. You know, it, it's and what I'm most interested in is like what's the experience of vulnerability for most of us? And and I think that there's something really powerful here because to the degree that you're willing to live your life to the fullest is the degree that you're exposed to risk right. exposed. And, and I believe that all of life is vulnerable. There's really no, like, you know, if you, you play it safe, you're in a comfort zone. It's not actually safe. There's no guarantees no matter you know how you're moving through this life. And what I have found is that actually, the more that I expose myself to risk, the more vulnerable I get, the more reward that I reap, right? The more that I learn, the more uh, rich this experience of life becomes. And, and you know, so, so that's one way that I look at it is like, how am I living my life? Am I putting myself out there? And, and in so doing, you know, there is risk. And then when it comes to leading with vulnerability, I think, you know, where, where this definition starts to open up is when you, when you let down your guard, when you're just real, and that's kind of hard to define, but I think most people understand that, you know, when you can be real with the people that you're building something with, there's a almost non-conscious connection that is formed, you know, um and, and, and a bond that starts to, to build, um, that is, is really what it's all about in business, yeah. in life, in love. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, I think that's my, my thought on
0: vulnerability. I think that's a great uh, take and definition of vulnerability. Uh, like you said that, like listening to other people's uh, definitions, one of my favorite things about this whole yeah. podcast, because, uh, Everybody's got a little bit of a different take but it's all kind of the same in the in the same token right and they all kind of intertwine and go together. So let's go yeah. back a little bit to the to 29 year old right what what niche, what led you to the military and then you know inside of that to the 75th Range Regiment what was it about that that drew you drew you into both of those organizations?
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: well, you know, I've I've
1: always been a high achiever. <laughs> so it's you know for better or worse. Um like I said, you know, I had this, this deep admiration and respect for my grandfather who had served in the Pacific theater, World War II. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, my, my dad had a couple of buddies that were in Vietnam and and had an uncle that had been in Korea. And so there was, there was a lot of this sort of military um, flair and culture and and stories that I had grown up around. And I think, you know, I, I just, made up all the marketing around <laughs> be the best you can be right um the few the proud they like you know so i i just i really appreciated all of that and then i kind of put it aside you know timing was interesting right there was i was coming of age right when there was a big drawdown so they weren't really looking for for people um and then i got distracted making money and doing all this kind of stuff so by the time i got to 28, 29 years old, it was like, okay, I either have to do this or just forget about it. But it was a really strong voice, you know, that like, hey, uh, serve, you know, do your duty. And, and this idea of freedom is a big one for me. It's one of my top values. And at that time, I believed that, hey, you know, joining the military is going to contribute to freedom in the world, freedom, you know, in this country helping to liberate people from oppression and all that kind of thing. So I really felt connected to that bigger purpose. And um and it was like go or no go, right? Go or forget about it. So so I finally ended up joining there and there were a few, you know, really important coincidences that occurred, right? I met uh a mutual friend of ours who was who was in regiment I had had like some powerful conversations with coworkers who had been in vietnam and in Korea, and they were really encouraging me to you know consider that path and uh so I joined, and you know at the time it was like I was just working and partying and playing in bands, and <laughs> I was just t- kind of tired of that that whole scene right so
2: so this felt like
1: a really exciting thing that i could that I could contribute to something meaningful I could challenge myself and um and Ranger Regiment, just you know, of all those things that I was exposed to, I had heard about Rangers, and I had seen the marketing, and met our mutual friend, and learned all about them. It. it felt it felt like it really aligned with my desire to be around people who were excelling, right—the best of the best, um, not just out there, you know, just just a bunch of grunts running around, right? It was right. like this felt like there was some level of um, uh, exceptionalism. So, yeah. So I joined with the Ranger contract, you know, which, you know, was like, well, maybe you have a shot, right? right? You, you got to prove yourself all along the way. Um, but that was, that was really the setting for me at that time and why I chose, chose regiment.
0: Yeah. So as you look back and kind of reflect on that time, what, what, what do you take, what did the regiment mean to you? During that, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things, that four years is going to be a short blip in your life, but yeah. if it's anything, even the 20 years I spent there will be a short blip in the overall scheme of my life, but I know yeah. it had a profound impact on me. Um, just what impact did that organization have on you?
1: Yeah. Oh man. I mean, this is like probably a whole series of podcasts, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. This is question, So I'll, I'll do my best to be succinct. Um, as far as the organization itself, um, man, it's an experience of, it really was all those things I, I was hoping for. You know, I was able to test myself completely. I found, you know, new depths of resilience and strength and, um, and leadership and, you know, and so, so the organization itself is very, very good at, uh, helping to craft you into a really effective leader, especially in the realm of of war and combat. Uh, but a lot of the a lot of things that I learned translate very well to you know being a leader in the civilian world. Um, of course, you know it's talked about a lot, but this this bond that can almost be can't be explained, you know, um, between members of, of of regiment and especially in a particular shared experience, right? Particularly combat or um, even different theaters of combat. So, um, yeah, it, it really was a formative experience for me. It taught me the discipline that I had been lacking and and um, really showed me what was possible when you put your, your mind, your intention towards a higher purpose with a group of humans who are just all on the same path of excellence.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I think it's definitely the people that make that place so special yeah. to, to all of us oh, who, yeah. have, who have served there. Um, uh, I'm sure there were some, you know, there were some great days in resume, some challenging days. When you, when you look back, what was, what was your most challenging day in the 75th that you, you know, still look back on and wish you could have done something different or wish there was a different outcome, or it's just one of those days that just kind of stick with you that leaves that bad taste in your mouth, you know?
1: Well, you know, there's, there's a couple different ways to answer this. Um, There's one, I was, I was this high achiever, but with this kind of punk rock rebel streak, right? So, (laughs) so it was like, I did, I was really good at my job. And then there were these times where I would just kind of, you know, um, really have some friction and, you know, one particular day, it comes to mind. And then I I don't want to talk about the one that's most impactful, but this one where it didn't quite fit. I really saw that clearly was um in terms of like progressing right it, it there was uh you're probably familiar with this there's a form that you, you have to sign that basically says yeah I, you know i'm gonna forego the next rank um and i felt like that th- this was sort of my maturity at the time but also also sort of a theme and you know and i'll get to that but
2: um it felt
1: like I was kind of being limited by the structure, by the hierarchy, right? By things that I had no control over. And that's one of the experiences I had where I was like, oh, this container's not quite big enough for me. Right. Um, so, and, and that's sort of a, a theme as we're talking here, right? That's maybe unspoken, but moving from this realm of control to this realm of freedom, Right. And so for everything that was positive and all the things that I loved about regimen and the way that it shaped me as a man that I really um, love, you know, there were those, those clues. That's like, it, maybe this isn't a hundred percent it for you. And that's how life is, right? When we hit those, we hit those walls and we feel that friction and that frustration. I see that now that th- those are the clues like, okay, well, how, you know, what can you shift? How can you grow? What's, what's a, maybe a better fit. Um, so that was, that was, a really important experience for me to have. And one of those days where, you know, I was just frustrated and angry, (laughs) you know, and, and then in terms of, you know, this obviously has nothing to do with regiment. Right. Um, but it was, um, October 1st, 2009, um, when we lost Rob Sanchez, um, on target and, you know, it was a mass Cal event and I was, you know, 200 yards, maybe uh, away when the when the ID blast went off and that was a, a absolutely a transformational day for me where I went from thinking that I was invincible right like I was I was one of the toughest guys on the planet I was surrounded by some of the best soldiers and best warriors on the planet and you know we just never never failed to you know holy crap like all of this is so fragile
2: right
1: you know and um that was one of the biggest actually one of the biggest moments of my life really where i i shifted my perspective and my attitude uh from hey i'm you know i got this i'm i'm good i'm invincible to uh wow like this is really a gift you know every day to be alive and i'm still going to strive to be the best that i can be in whatever i'm pursuing and i have this understanding of like when it, when it's up, it's up, Yeah, you know, and so getting to the point where I can embrace that has been such a liberating journey because it's, it's almost, it's, it's almost an even bigger source of power when you're like, Hey, I know this is all, you know, gone in the blink of an eye and I get to do whatever I can while I'm here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. And people sometimes wonder why I ask that question, you know, and it's because I like to hear without prompt, what got you through that hard time, right? People always seem yeah. to share what it was that kind of got them through or the, or it was a moment, it was a transitional moment in their life, right. For forever. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah. you know, those hard days were we all had them, right. We all yeah. uh, over the past 20 years, we all reflect yeah. on them, I think. And it's important for us to, to, to talk about them and share that we've all kind of been through that, but it's not all bad, right? Yeah. You're not always losing yeah. guys on target. There's a, going to the X right. and doing stuff. What do you, what do you remember fondly? What do you, what was your best day in regiment? Oh man.
1: Okay. So I love this. I want to come back to, it. I just want to put a fine point on what you just said is yeah. like, that's really important, right? So your worst day can be one of your greatest gifts, right? That, that takes some doing to extract that, but it's, it's, it's easier than you think with you know with the right kind of guidance um so yeah, so so you know that has become one of my greatest gifts and strengths and you know from that day, but to get back to your um yeah, oh man, some of the best times in regiment, I'm trying to mentally sort through them in my mind <laughs> um, man there's there's so many um. Being being deployed, you know, the guys say this and I know a lot of people maybe struggle to understand this, but being deployed was absolutely the best time in general in regiment, right? Because you're you've you've trained so hard, you've worked so hard, you've sacrificed so much to be at the point where you're doing what you're here to do, and then you're doing it, right? And everything just kind of like fades away. You've got this singular focus um and it's it's easier right there's distractions you're you're just there to do what you're there to do and then when you're when you're not on mission you know you're going to the gym you're spending time with with your buddies you're you're resting you're um it's just a very simple way of life and it's so aligned with the purpose and the and the bigger meaning yeah um that yeah it's awesome you know and and then even even training you know some of those days when when back maybe maybe at the moment they don't feel like the best time but looking back you're like man it was so cool just like you know hanging out camping in the woods shooting guns and yeah and um and being together um with some outstanding humans
0: yeah I, Um, i think i think i mean i don't think i know you you hit the nail on the head there it's not it's uh when you're in some of that stuff, like a a team live fire in August on Fort Stewart, and it's oh. 112 with the heat index, that's it's not fun at the time, right? There's fun, yeah. There's fun <laughs> moments during it, but it's 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 yeah. it hurts. But if yeah. I could go right now and lead a live fire, a team live fire right now, I'd go do it in a heartbeat because I 100%. I know now looking back just how special. Every moment was the, 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 the ranger ball night, the, the, yeah. just the time in the barracks around yeah. those people. Uh, I, you know, I, I tell, we, we all heard it, you know, stop and smell the roses. We we're terrible mm-hmm. at it. I think as a typers, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. and that's what I tell most, <laughs> most young guys now is like, just enjoy the time that you're there. Yeah find the joy in every moment. Cause it, it's there. You just kind of have to hunt for it. Um, but, yeah. but it's definitely a special place, but ultimately you decided, you know, you left the military. Um, I just curious what kind of led to that decision. I think you spoke about it a little bit. You were just getting too big for that box potentially. Um, yeah. Um, do you ever regret that decision? Do you look back on it? What? How did your transition go initially? And then how do you reflect on it?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, I do look back now, especially, you know, I'm 44 now and I'm like, okay, well, I basically would have been around retirement age, you know, even having started late. Yeah. Uh, You know, so I I sometimes imagine what that would look like. And I think I would probably be a lot more broken physically.
0: (laughs) So you would be. I can attest to that for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, when when I got out, um, what was happening was uh, I had just had my first. A child, so you know that was sort of the the juxtaposition was, okay. I love what I do, and I had some really cool opportunities coming up. You know, to move over to different sections in regiment, and um, I just gotten promoted, and so it was like, okay, I see this path over here, and it's exciting, and it includes being away from my family a lot. You know, and it includes some pretty high risk factors. You know. Um, because by now I had recognized that I'm not invincible. Right. And so I knew I I had the fallback of my degree of my engineering career. And the biggest thing that made the decision for me was I wanted to be around to see my son grow up and, and not just grow up broadly, but like be there for the moments. You know, and I, and I saw a lot of guys that had family and they were struggling because they would go away and then come back, especially with really young kids. It was almost like they had to reintroduce themselves again to the kids. And I just thought that that doesn't feel right for me. So, uh, yeah, so ultimately made the decision and chose to be around for the family and, and that adventure.
0: Yeah. So that adventure, I mean, it led you to Cornell University, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. Uh, to get your to to receive your MBA. Uh, just if you could just speak a little bit, you know, how's that former punk rocker? army, <laughs> army, army ranger, you know, a go-getter, uh, yeah. find yourself at an Ivy league institution pursuing an MBA. And then what, what did you take from your time in, you know, the 75th into that study program, the, you know, work ethic, problem solving, um, uh, communications, yeah. whatever it was, uh, how did that, how did that work out for you?
2: Yeah,
1: man. Well, it, it, it ended up working out perfectly, right. As, as everything in life does. And, uh, but that kind of in between when I got out and went for my MBA, there was, there was, uh, about four years in between that three or four years. So, you know, during that time, it was like, it was very hectic. A lot of like, we were growing a family, right? I have, I have three kids when I, by the time I started the MBA, um, you know, still married I was working full time and I was struggling with the transition, right? So physically my body had just completely given up a lot of pain trying to figure that out um i again trying to find my my tribe and my people again um i had a lot of ptsd issues and so and that's sort of what's swirling around and in the meantime i'm also feeling like disconnected from purpose how do i reconnect to that and i thought well the natural progression here is I've, i've learned how to be a leader in regiment. Let me go be a leader in the corporate world. And so that process began, right? And it took a while. That's why it took so long. It's because getting into an Ivy League MBA, especially, is a, is a whole process, right? Uh, and it just takes time. So by the time I I got accepted, I had put a lot of effort, a lot of energy, a lot of money into getting to that point. Uh, and I was still kind of ignoring all of this other stuff that was starting to grow and i'm trying to bury it down but man i'm running out of dirt to bury it with Uh, so you know i found myself in in, at cornell which even to this day i look back i'm not really sure how i did that you know (laughs) it was was, i must have have sold it pretty well uh and and it's kind of a theme right i've 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 always looked at like well what's the what's the thing what's the stretch i'm gonna at least shoot for that
2: right Right? that's what
1: got me into regiment and that's what got me into Cornell and um and the whole way i was never ready i didn't quite feel like i belonged right that imposter syndrome creeping in is one of the things that i help people with a lot right because we all have it it's always there every time you grow every time you stretch yourself you're going to experience that in some form again uh but i you know my head down started grinding in the program and. Slowly realized that hey, I'm a really valuable member of this team for a lot of different reasons, right? To bring a lot of things to bear. And um it was a really incredible experience. Um the things that Regiment really helped me with was, you know, it definitely was one of the first things that that helped me feel confident that I belonged. You know, because I was like, hey, I've done this amazing thing pretty you know maybe four other people in this whole program have done something similar so i felt like okay that that gives me a reason to stand here with some of these frankly like business titans right i mean these were like vice presidents ceos you know they had founded companies um and so that that gave me sort of a sense of of belonging um and then yeah in terms of work ethic you know um problem solving, communication, it was, it was all, it was all valuable from regiment to, uh, to bring that. Like, you know, there were, there were times when in that program, it's a, it's a, it was an executive MBA program. So it was full-time on the side. Right. Makes sense. Right. (laughs) So so I could work full-time and I could go to this MBA full time. Um, the program itself was the same length as the, as the full-time in on-campus MBA. So, we had a lot of work to do all the time and there were there were sessions where you're just like grinding it out, you know, and it's it's late night and you got deadlines coming. But the whole time it's like, yeah, but nobody's getting shot at. Right. Nobody's yeah. going to die here, probably, hopefully. Um, so we'll just get through it, you know, and, and being able to look at those things tactically and be able to strategize and and understand, hey, what's the most important thing for us to do? Um, having that kind of you know that pace model, which I think it's yeah. talked about a lot on this uh this show of like, hey, our primary objective is to knock this out of the park, you know have this thing that's really valuable that who knows what we could actually turn it into, and as you go down the line, right, alternate contingency emergency it's like emergency is these get degrees right, <laughs> right? <laughs> so uh, and I had, a, I had a really cool moment with one of our professors when we first started out. He was like, "Look, you guys are here. You're all superstars. You know, it's Cornell. It's this and that." And he goes, "But the truth is, success isn't getting on the honor roll. Success isn't being, you know, the the summa cum laude or whatever. Success is you make it through this program, and you're still married, and you you know everybody still still has a good relationship. You, you're healthy." right it's like make sure you're staying focused on what really matters here right
2: right uh, so the,
0: yeah it's also it's kind of like uh, the ranger school thing at the end of the day it doesn't matter how many times you recycled it still it the, the ranger tab is still the 63 cent piece of material that, that you <laughs> exactly. pick up so uh i get it 100 and uh, we t- we spoke obviously we spoke before we did the podcast and we talked a little bit about you entering the corporate world and I there's things that come along with an MBA I think is probably like the the the, the cape of expectation right you're supposed to yeah. go into the corporate world and be successful and climb the corporate rad- ladder and be a CEO a COO uh, operations manager yeah. um, but you you know I think sometimes a lot of people I've talked to the corporate world doesn't meet their expectation it's a lot dirtier and ugly and yeah. just not a place where a lot of high performers where we came from with morals and integrity and values, uh, there's a lot of just places in the corporate world that don't meet that expectation of ours. And I think you had kind of that experience. I just like you to share your kind of your, your experience as you moved, you know, farther into the corporate world after your MBA.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. man. it's, uh, it was definitely a case of, uh, mismatched expectations. Um, You know, have a vision of myself as like, okay, now I'm this accomplished accredited leader and I'm going to come in and I'm going to make a difference. And, uh, you know, and it was like, first of all, I I was placed at a level that I thought, whoa, man, really? You know, this is where you you see me as being able to, you know, have this kind of impact. Uh, So that was the first mismatch expectation. Then as I got into it, it was like (laughs) having the expectation that it was going to be anything like the high performance group that I was in with the degree of, of friendships, connection, meaning, you know, excitement (laughs) was, was a terrible idea. It's not that right. It's the the corporate machine exists for largely to create profit for shareholders, you know, to, um, to, to maybe execute on certain tasks or produce certain products or services. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, largely there are some exceptions, but it's largely missing that deeper purpose. it's missing that true focus on people right, right? the way that the way that regiment is um and so yeah it was it was pretty pretty jarring, pretty shocking to get into that environment uh and you know one thing they do require is a lot of effort and a lot of work right so it's very easy to get into this this rap is this hamster wheel effect of like putting in a lot of work, putting in a lot of effort and and sort of misplacing or, or displacing what you're really after. Right. Right. Which is that connection and that meaning, that sense of adventure and thrill. Um, so yeah, it very quickly drained my, (laughs) my energy, my excitement. Um, it felt like oh man now i'm just kind of doing the same thing i was doing before in a slightly different role and i've just sunk a lot yeah. of time energy and and money into mm-hmm. into getting here so you know I, and it, so i think a lot of people get into that and they go well let me just get the next promotion you know then i'll be able to make a difference oh, let me just you know i'll just keep pushing and in order to, that i got to sacrifice a lot of life energy to get there and sacrifice time with my family and and you know in my experience in People that I've talked to and my own experience, that's a trap.
2: Yeah.
0: Doesn't
1: usually lead anywhere.
0: Very, yeah. very good. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, you know, a lot of people that we know when you leave the military, you think you're going to gain all this time, right? That the military took a lot of time from you with training events and it took time and yeah. deployments and uh, took time from your family. But then we've all seen it where that person, that high performer, goes into the corporate world and uh, they're actually, that took, takes more time from them right it's right. uh, uh yeah. um they they they're spending more hours at the office than they've ever spent uh they're bringing work home with them um and yeah. at the end of the day I know from my own experience it's worse for my family when I'm around but not present yeah right than it was when I was deployed and and, and not there at all right so right right um uh, with that in mind if somebody you know they're they're out there there's a lot of former 75th a lot of soft guys and gals in general that are out there doing really well in high level education, MBA programs, uh, Mm -hmm. executive leadership programs, what advice would you give them as they're heading into a a corporate type environment or just even if it's not corporate, even if they're just starting their own thing, what's Mm -hmm. something that they, you know, that they should watch out for do it when they're, before they make that leap into that, that field.
1: Yeah. So there's, there's so many things and so many like, pitfalls and tips that i'd, I'd love to share and if, if anyone wants to connect and just kind of riff on that i'm just, i'm always happy to do that Um uh, the, the biggest thing is just don't expect to get you know the, the experience that you had in regiment or or in any soft or you know related um field don't expect to get that from corporate and this is not a this is not a discussion about bashing corporate, right? There's a lot of good things about corporate. There's a lot of great organizations out there doing great things. Um, it's just in general, that model can be really tricky to navigate. So, you know, the, the couple things I would say, one is absolutely consider entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Absolutely consider that because I guarantee that you're, you're well positioned for that. And so if there's any desire to do that, explore that, see if that's possible for you. Um, the biggest thing, whether you're going into corporate or entrepreneurship, is get very clear on the life that you want. That's that's the biggest thing that I would tell anyone, but especially in this particular situation, just get really clear on what you want and keep that top of mind. Keep building that. Keep referring to that because it's very easy to fall into this, you know, kind of rat race Workaholic overperformance trap when you don't have that vision uh, of how you want your life to be, so yeah that's i I that's agree, and
0: uh you know I think it's all about it's about expectations, right and like you said, we're not mm-hmm. sitting here bashing the corporates. There's a lot of corporate, they do a lot of things. They make all of this equipment that's sitting on my desk right now, enabling me (laughs) and you to have this conversation. Right. Uh, right. uh, But I think sometimes that people only look at the sexy side. And a lot of times that's, that's uh, ones and zeros at the end of a, you know, an offer letter, Uh, Mm -hmm. just like the regiment. Awesome. We're talking all about a lot of great stuff, a lot of great times we sent there, but we're not talking about the ammo details on Saturday morning
2: and uh, <laughs> right. you know those yeah. early years when so we c- had to CQ to, for yeah, the CQ
0: the CQ yeah. shift on Thanksgiving Day or or having yeah. to burn poop uh, you know overseas because yeah. the facilities aren't working. Um right. I think you know the biggest thing when I tell people and I th- I wonder your opinion on it is you need to set down, you need to write out your values. What are your values? What are that company's or organization's values? Are they practicing those values? And do they align with yours? And that's one way to hopefully help you be happy and successful at the same time. You kind of have the same the same look at that. Oh, yeah,
1: 100%. This is one of the, the most um, energizing things that I do with people, too, is, yeah, get very clear on your values. And, and it's, it's simpler than you think. A lot of people are like, I do my values are? There's some cool stuff that you can do that's very quickly distill those. Um, and then, um, getting clear on like, what are the peak experiences of your life? Cause that'll give you a lot of clues about, you know, how you want to live your life moving forward. And then just, yeah, build it, you know, get in your imagination and yeah. build a mock-up of what you'd like it to look like mm-hmm. in terms of your relationships, your uh, finances, you know, your personal life or your physical fitness, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and that's, it's a really powerful tool for you to create the life that you want to create and then yeah the you know if it's corporate if it's entrepreneurship you can play with how that fits in but the biggest piece of advice is do it that way rather than like okay i'll get the job and then i'll fit my life into it
2: right
0: right i agree so um to move forward a little bit. so you're a big advocate for mental health and yeah. you you said the you know the word that we all or the the acronym we all hate the PTSD uh yeah. you've gone through those struggles um how did you navigate some of those darker times you know in your in your in your life and and come through it through it on the other side Yeah it's uh you know it's going on
1: over 10 years I got out and in that time there's been a lot of ups and downs I you know I found myself with suicidal ideation a couple times when when life got really challenging um and you know and, and I've I've been to therapy so so this you know I I feel like I've experienced pretty much the the breadth of um of ups and downs put it that way and so some of the things that have helped me the most are just just asking for help when I need it, like just just admit that you know there's there's a lot of great resources out there um, there's people there that can help and that are very skilled right so so understand that like you don't have to figure it out all, all yourself, you don't have to do it all yourself um, and so those resources are out there so so you know use them <laughs> um and it doesn't even have to be the perfect one, right? Because all these people are tend to be connected, so somebody's going to get you to where you need to be. And if you're at that point where you're like, "Man, I got nothing," right? I don't know what to do. Then reach out to a hotline, you know, reach out to a buddy, reach to anything you see online. You know, groups that are helping helping vets. Um, and and then in general, you know, some of the other things that have really helped me to thrive and and stay out of some of those depths is uh, life coaching. I, I now I've always got a coach on, on retainer, uh, therapy, you know, uh, EMDR was, was one of the, the effective therapies that I used when I was when I was stuck in a pretty severe PTSD loop to help me kind of break that cycle and then be able to move forward. Um, how, you know, build, build meaningful relationships. It might seem like a daunting task now, uh, but I would I would make that a priority and figure out what that means to you and figure out how to do that. Just you know, again, so many resources. I'm here to help if uh if anybody needs that. You know, cause cause in those some of those lowest moments when I lost the people that I thought were, were there for me, or you know, my whole world turned upside down. I had I had friends that I reached out to and I just said, Hey man, I think I'm done. And you know, having that support and someone who understood what was going on and was able to to hold space for that um, made all the difference. Yeah. So those are some things. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's uh, it's hard. I think, you know, I know from my transition, when you transition out of the military, you can find yourself kind of on an Island, right? You're out there mm-hmm. by yourself and the hardest thing to do in the military or out of the military, I think is to initiate movement is, is to make yeah. that phone call to, to ask for help, uh, to reach out and, you know, people can always reach out to me guys like you find somebody that walked the same path that, you know, like you said, build a relationship with them and reach out. Cause you can, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I, you know, I, I I truly believe that. And another unfortunate thing you fall into a bin or a category is a, you know, a former soft, a soft guy that's uh, divorced and, and has, and Mm -hmm. has kids and
2: that's another Mm -hmm.
0: layer and another difficulty, but you got, your divorce was after you transitioned, right?
2: Yeah. Which which
0: is a little bit rare. I said, well, I don't say it's rare. I see uh, because of my placement and access, most of the guys I saw were still in, but there's plenty of guys that uh, did it on the, on the other side. How did you kind of get through that or or continuing to get through that and build relationships with with your kids and so forth?
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is another podcast series. Yeah. Uh, Right. You're absolutely (laughs) right. Uh, And yeah, it, it was, it was one of the most challenging experiences of my life. Um, certainly right up there with, uh, October 1st, 2009 in Afghanistan, right. It was, it, it, I, I thought, Hey, this is it, right. We're going to do life together. And, um, it really looking back, it started with that, um, that experience of running headfirst into the rat race and corporate, you know, and, and when I made that decision to live life with more intention, it had a lot to do with the fact I, suddenly saw that my marriage was falling apart and you know we did what we could to kind of patch it together and see where we could take it but ultimately you know a few years later uh it it did end and it was so unexpected and so severe the way that it kind of rolled out that that was one of the experiences where I was at, at the bottom right and I just was like I, this is it, you know. Uh, my life's over, <laughs> right. Um, and I had so much fear around like what that meant. Right, all the stories that I was telling myself about what that meant. I was, you know, I had failed as a husband. I had failed as a father. You know, life was now ruined because it was never going to be what I thought that it was going to be, and I'm not going to be able to see my kids every day and kind of stuff. And so it really was this intense spiral downward. Um, so I, I understand. The depths of despair that that type of situation can bring you to, um, and 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 for that I'm very grateful now because I can relate. You know, if anyone is at that point, uh, I can very powerfully stand in that space with them, and so for that I'm grateful. Um, it it forced me to shed all kinds of beliefs you know, all kinds of shoulds about what it means to be a father, what it means to be a partner, um, what it means, you know, now, um, yeah, so all all of that had to be shed, right? I had to basically redefine all of that. And that is a huge challenge. And I had a lot of support. I had people coaching me through that. You know, I had my faith got a lot stronger. <laughs> and that's the beauty of all these challenges is that like we talked about earlier, you know, some of the most memorable moments, the ones you end up appreciating the most were some of the most challenging But in the moment you were like, this sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, and I'm really grateful that I'm at the point in my journey where I'm able to very quickly turn things around and see, okay, what's the gift? What's my growth opportunity? How can I move through this in a way that's, that's really aligned with what I want? What do I really want? And so ultimately I had to get to a point where I realized in this, in this, in this divorce situation that I had to make a choice. I could either stay at war, right? Stay in this energy of violence and despair and all that kind of stuff. Or I could move towards what I wanted, which was freedom, love, peace, right? Play. That's what I really adventure. This is what I really wanted. So once I was able to, Understand that, and that I had a choice. I started to move in the direction of that, and the coolest thing that's happened is that I'm able to actually access and direct love to my ex-wife,
2: and that shift
1: has changed everything. Right, and that we now have this thriving co-parenting relationship. You know, great relationships with the kids. It was. It was the thing that has, and this is, you know, it's the point, like, how do you cope? It is totally possible again, no matter what life gives you to turn it into something that works for you, that is thriving, that is like actually supporting you live the life that you want to live, right? You can't go back. You can't, there's so many things in life you can't control. You can't change. So don't get stuck there. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. You know, as soon as you can pull yourself up out of that victimhood and into something more empowering. And, um, you know, so, so I was able to actually access that, be in that energy of love. Um, and it looks different. It just, that's just the reality. It looks different than what I expected it was going to look like. And I'm continuing to find ways to, c- to connect with the kids and we're, you know, because we're in this loving co-parenting relationship, there's so many other creative possibilities that we see, you know, for visiting, for. visiting Vacationing, or, you know, creating a thriving environment for the kids, which is ultimately the goal, right? right? We're, we're still in business. <laughs> you know, we're still in business. If we didn't have kids, probably be a totally different thing. We'd probably still be really healthy to, you know, get to that point of, of love and forgiveness. Uh, and with kids, especially super important. We need to be as high performance of a team as we can be. To create the most abundant, thriving environment for the kids, yeah, and and it's just we just got to get creative because it's different, and a lot of you know this this hasn't really been uh, created before in this way, right? Not a lot of examples of
0: that, right? So, um, if if they look at you, you know, on paper, you know, the you got a lot of education, right? Ivy League, uh, MBA. Uh, successful and soft, successful on the other side, but you, you, you spoke a few times about how important coaching and, and mentorship is. And some people be like, why does this person need a coach mm. or or need a mm. mentor? I'm a huge advocate for, for mentorship, you know, in all phases of your life and, and coaching. What, what is that kind of, why is it important?
1: Yeah. I will never not have a coach. Right. Or a mentor or yeah, I totally agree with you. I I like to have, multiple perspectives you know and i'm willing to invest significant amounts of my own earnings to have that because it creates a different experience of life right somebody else is an expert somebody else has experience somebody else knows how to move through this and how to guide others through it right that's the important thing um and when you find somebody who's a good fit with you. personality-wise, energetically, you know, vision-wise kind of stuff.
2: You can move
1: so much more effectively, so much quicker towards your goals, you know, towards your dream life. Um, when those difficult things happen, you've got a partner, you know, somebody who really cares, who's unbiased, um, other than maybe being biased for your success, right? right? Who's going to help you look at that and help you just you know, see the different angles and see the different approaches, um, and support you and celebrate you along the way. And, uh, I just can't imagine living life in isolation. I can't imagine trying to do it all myself now. And a lot of people are doing that. Right. So it's, it's just been so powerful to see what's possible when you have that skilled guide or mentor, yeah. um, you know, you don't have to do it yourself. And especially if you've got like really big dreams, right? You really want to create something amazing. You really want to have an impact. You want to leave a legacy. It's like, don't, don't try to go that alone. Right. It's, you know, it's, it's it's going to be a really big challenge and big burden. Yes. And a lot of people just get, get burnt out and stuck because they're trying to do it all themselves. So,
0: yeah, I agree. Well, as we kind of bring it around and, and land the, the plane here on this podcast and this I think you know very amazing conversation. Uh, been great. What are you? Uh, what are you doing now? I know you. you I, yeah. I got it in quotations here. Living with intention, right? Well, yeah. What? What are you? Why are you driving across the the country in a van? Uh, just like what? What's what's life got yeah. for you now? What are you up to <laughs> nowadays?
1: Yeah, I love this. Video. We're coming full circle to the van down by the river, right? Right. It's this has been a dream that's been taking shape for a number of years, and. um, You know, once I got clear, and this was a few years ago, I got clear on my values, right? Freedom, adventure, peace, love, play, right? Those are my guiding light, really, for what I'm doing. And so living with intention means, okay, is this decision aligned with those values, right? Is this opportunity aligned with that? And I've had a lot of different opportunities, right? Things that might pull me off course in all realms of of my life, right? All environments of my life. And it's been really helpful because I'm committed to living with intention, because I know what those guiding values are. When I feel myself getting pulled too far off, I go, oh, okay, I, I get it. Right. Something's not aligned. I don't think this is it. And so so it's been really helpful to move very quickly to creating this, this incredible life for myself. And again, it's not perfect, but living with intention just means like, yeah, making those decisions related to those values. And, and getting better and better at knowing what, what it feels like, right? We've got some incredible technology in this human body and most of us are only using, you know, 10 to 20% of it. But, you know, one of the most powerful things that we can do is develop our intuition, right? Develop our, our sense of what is my body telling me? You know, what does this feel like? Does this feel right? People talk about heart, gut, you know, it's, it's all interchangeable. So, living a life with intention for me means like making those choices that are aligned. I do that by like getting out there, experiencing things, experimenting with different things. How does it feel? Does it, you know, and just being really aware the whole time, observing um, my progress as I'm moving down the path. So, for me, you know, I love outdoor adventure. I love being out in the world. I love connecting with people in person um, and just. You know, just kind of exploring everything that life has to offer from a mental, physical, spiritual sense. So I'm exploring all these realms. You know, I'm going deep into my spirituality and kind of even into the metaphysical world. What's, you know, what kind of adventures are available there that feel good? Um, You know, the physical world. I'm I'm on a program now that's getting me back physically to where I'm actually able to reclaim my identity as an athlete um, after being pretty broken for a long time and pretty down about that um, I'm, I'm traveling, you know, I'm exploring, uh, where is next for me? You know, a lot of these, these major disruptions, these life explosions have led to a new degree of freedom. And so I'm, I'm kind of exploring where do I, where feels good to, to maybe plant my feet for a while next. Um, I'm being invited to these opportunities that are more and more aligned now. So, you know, there's a cool thing happening where I might be, taking over leadership of a, of a leadership company and um, I'm creating these transformational adventures uh, where we take leaders out individuals and teams uh, out into the wilderness we spend a few days out there you know we do intentional transformational work um, so it's it's just really cool like to, to be able to play in all these areas and it and it feels in general pretty effortless right mm-hmm a lot of ease, a lot of, a lot of flow. And, um, and, uh, it's all aligned to that larger mission of waging
0: peace in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome stuff, Nick. Uh, last question. I ask almost everybody on here. Um, if you could go back and talk to your 19 year old self, what's the one piece of advice you'd give him? (laughs) Uh,
1: I think I'd have to sit down for a while and talk to that guy. (laughs) I think, the, I think the biggest piece of advice I would say, uh, is just relax, just relax, man. Just, you know, keep, keep doing what you're doing and know that it's, it's part of a bigger thing that's unfolding. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. 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 Uh, simple, but very powerful, I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, thanks. Thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on here. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. Uh, very, yeah. very powerful stuff. I know it's going to resonate with at least one person that's all that matters. Right. The, awesome. The yeah. Make, that's it. <laughs> get, make a domino fall and then uh, they'll all start falling. So th- thanks. Right. Thanks for your time. Best of luck on your adventures. Uh, hope the van doesn't break down. Right. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. and, and everything goes well for everybody out there listening that's and dope. watching, do all that stuff, uh, like share and subscribe. And, uh, we'll see, uh, everybody on the uh, next episode. Th- thanks again, Nick. This, this was awesome. Yeah.
1: Appreciate you brother. Talk soon.